They're all going to face pain, you know, one of those things that I remember becoming a young believer when I was, well, I guess I was young for a couple different things. I was a teenager, but I was also a new believer, and, and within that, you know, one of, one of the maybe fallacies that, that I quickly learned that took a few years to overcome is when you're with Christ, everything's good and grand, and there's no, no problems. It's, it's a life of, of just roses and chocolate and, and all that all the time, and the reality is that's not what the way it is, but the hope is with Christ because he is our anchor. He is the one that, that guides us through the different things, and we see so much throughout the word that, that speaks of this. Job wanting to have this conversation with God, and, and God really coming at the end and saying, I'm not even going to answer your questions, but I just want to remind you of who I am, and in the midst of who I am, that I care about you. And, and some things you'll never know the answer to. And I know that's not always something we want to hear because we want answers to everything. But um, I think that's what Andrew had talked about when, when he shared on Jonah is just receiving peace, knowing that God is in control, that God is doing things. But yet we can still petition him. And David did that so many times in the Psalms when he came and said, man, this is just terrible. And there's no way I can ever go forward. There's no, 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 you know, thing after thing. And then at the end he said, but yet... I will praise God, yet my eyes will continue to be upon God, yet I will see the goodness here in the land of the living, God's goodness here in the land of the living, and so um, God is good, and so it, it's good that we can be real, that we can, we can be honest, that, that we, can, we can share these things, because in reality, our hearts are probably all like this in, in some chamber, not the four chambers, but in some chamber of our heart now, it, it looks just like this in some way. And, and, and that's fine because we're, we're not going to be perfect people. But it's what we do with this. Are, are, are we going to keep it in the dark? Are we going to keep it there? Are we going to let God speak life into it? And, and so just encourage you along those lines. Um, I know it's around 1130. Um, if you'll give me about 15 minutes, um, I'll kind of shorten this down a little bit. I just want to show you the front page of my notes anyway. I don't know if you can see that, but I've already X'd through yesterday a bunch of stuff and don't know where I was going with this and, and, and all that. But um, when I was looking through this a little bit yesterday, I was just reminded of my grandmother, um, who's 89 years old, but she suffers with dementia. And she has a good day every now and then. As it's progressed more and more and more, those good days are, are very far in, in between the, the bad days kind of sandwiched in. And, and so a lot of times she doesn't know who she is. She, she certainly doesn't know uh, my mom and my aunt who visit her a few times a week and, and remind her so often of who she is and, and who they are. And, and, and I know when we visited, um, she doesn't remember my name, but if I tell her my name, if she's having a good day, she remembers me. She remembers that I'm the son of my mom and, and, and all that stuff. But most of the time, it's, it's not there. She's the shell of a woman that she used to be. My grandfather died in 1980, so she was in her mid-50s um, when he passed away, and she never got remarried. And strong, very strong, independent woman. Uh, sweet as could be, but, but I wouldn't say she's mean because she wasn't mean, but, but you know, there's that independent strongness that is there that I'm not taking crap from anyone, but she never kind of came across that way, always very sweet. Um, farmed in terms of, she had a couple gardens, 
Um, she worked up into her maybe early 70s, did a couple side jobs, just all kinds of things that um, obviously family members aren't perfect, um, but you, you just really respect and admire her. And to see her where she is now, and that she's kind of lost her identity in a lot of ways, is, is it's sad. But I was thinking about this in regards to what I wanted to share this morning. And I think identity for us is so important. And I think a lot of times we have, and not to make light of this, because I think we all have family members or we know someone who's suffering with dementia or, or some of the other um, things that are diagnosed, is we have spiritual dementia sometimes in regards to our identity of who we are in Christ. That, that we're forgetful beings. That the enemy wants us to forget who we are in our standing with Christ. And a, and a few weeks ago, um, in I think the beginning of October, I shared about us knowing who God is. That, that it, it affects our relationship if we don't know who God is. That yes, He is the Almighty, He is the powerful one, He's the creator of this universe, but yet He says that we're friends. He says that... that He's our Father, and we are children of the true and living God, that we are sons and daughters. And with that, there's this access that we have to Him to come boldly and to come confidently before the throne of grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Romans 8.31, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I shared these a few weeks ago. And then Ephesians 3.12, In Him and through faith in Him, we may enter God's presence with boldness and with confidence. And, and my point was that, that we can have this access to God if we, if we take hold of it. And I shared a story about um, a young lady who was teaching first graders um, at church, a Sunday school class, and how they would come to her with this boldness and this confidence Teacher, can we pray for this person? Can, can we go share our faith with this person? Can we sing this song? They had this passion. They had this boundlessness about who God was. They didn't put God in a box, and they believed God could do just about anything. And I contrast that with another story about a, about a, a church that was, that was dying and, and how the people were, were not believing God for things. And, and they even said, hey, can, let's just take so-and-so off the prayer list because we're not sure God can even do anything. Um, and how they had forgotten who God is and, and the access that we have to God and the power that we have to God. And so, you know, I just want to encourage us to continue to remember who we are before God. There's an identity that we have, that we are children of God, that, that we are formed and created by God, that we are loved by Him greatly and immensely and immeasurably. You know, in marriage, and I just want to use this example, um, but it relates to almost any relationship if you think about it. In marriage, the dangers of, of going down the wrong road and it leading to an argument or it leading to a misunderstanding or leading to, to whatever you call those intense times of fellowship is forgetfulness. I think it's not the thing, but it's one of the things. And, and it's not forgetting someone's birthday. It's not forgetting an anniversary. It's not forgetting to pick up the items from the store. And my, my wife, if she was here this morning, she's in the back. She would have said amen to that because every time she texts me and said, can you pick this up on the way home? And I get home and I'm like, oh, man, I just have to go out and get it. It's not the forgetfulness of those things. Now, those things are important. Don't, don't hear me wrong and say, well, Pastor Stevens, I don't have to remember your birthday. I don't have to remember the anniversary anymore because those things aren't important. Those things are important. Remember them. 
But it's, it's the other things when we dig deeper that oftentimes we forget. The grace and the mercy, the love, the service that's extended to a relationship or to someone in relationship 99 times that we forget when the one thing that's not met, the one expectation or the lack of doing something that takes our focus to where we begin to grumble and complain. That one thing where we cross our arms and say, well, she never does this, or I can't believe. And we forget about the 99 many times. Now, we're, we're not perfect, and, and we're going to have those moments. But I believe there's a, a, a relationship or a parallel in our relationship with God in the same way. Because many times, our relationship with each other is affected by our relationship with God, and particularly many times that we forget who we are in Christ. We forget what God has done for us. Matthew 18, verses 21 through 33, it's the, it's the parable of the unmerciful servant. And we've talked about this numerous times. In fact, I think I mentioned it at the end of the sermon a few weeks ago. But, but Peter comes and asks in verse 21, Lord, how many times... Um, could, I, could my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven. And Jesus answers, not as many as seven, but 70 times seven. So he's talking about this in the context of relationship and the importance of making relationship right. Then he goes in and begins to tell this, this parable, since the kingdom of heaven can be paired, compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his, his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he had no way to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. Now this is a, a, a picture of us before God, that our sin is so Deep. It is so weighty. It is. It's, the sum of ten thousand talents is is an insurmountable debt that no one could pay in their lifetime. It's the same of, of of our sin nature, my sin nature, the sin that's upon me. And you take that it's upon you and upon everyone that's in this world. Christ says, "Hey, it's wiped clean." It is wiped clean. He has compassion. He has mercy. He extends grace to us. He extends a love to us. He extends a, a gratitude to us because he wants to have a relationship with us. And we stand before God. We love grace. How many of you love grace? I mean, versus law or legalism or something like that. We love grace. And we major in that grace many times in a good way, but we have to be careful not to major in it too much. We sing songs about it. God, you're so good to me. You went to the cross for me. We do communion in remembrance of what Christ has done. We even dance in the church sometimes, remembering what God has done for us, right? We, we, we even testify to others, hey, this is what God's done for me. He wiped away my sin, and rightly so, we should be testifying about it. But yet we forget many times when we leave that posture, especially in the, in the way that we relate to each other. Because the other side of this parable is, is not always that pleasant. And as I read this, I'm sure you're going to start to compile a list of people that you know that this is talking about. And I want to say put that list aside. Because this is talking about me, it's talking about you. Let's put ourselves. This servant's name is Stephen. Or it's Mike, since you're saying amen. If we have Mike. Or it's Trevor, or it's Kristen. You know, it's, it's, it's whoever. It's Nathan. 
It says this in verse 20, 23, 28, excuse me. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, just a few days' wages. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, pay what you owe. I mean, the absurdity of this, when we read this, we're like, how could you ever do this? You were forgiven this huge, huge debt. Wouldn't you have just a little bit of gratitude? Wouldn't you say, I'll give you two or three weeks, and then, and then you must pay me at least minimum? At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he wasn't willing. On the contrary, he went out and threw him into prison until he could pay what he, what he was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then he, then he had him summoned. His master said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Verse 33 is, is, is the catcher. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. Man, I'm guilty. I think we all, if, if we're really honest, we're guilty. It's easy in our human nature to complain and to grumble, to point out other people's mistakes. Man, it makes us feel better. It, it, it deals with our own insecurities, whatever it may be. When we can bring someone down to our level um, in, in whatever fashion that we do that. The world teaches us this, and, and that's what we live in is the world, a dog-eat-dog type world. Pull someone down, get, get a promotion above them, make yourself feel better in, in the ways that, that you, you bring them down. We hold debts that are so petty. The words that they said that really don't mean that much we don't show grace to, or the words they didn't say, or the actions that they did or didn't do, or worse, we begin to assume that they're thinking this or they're going to do this. Or there's certain beliefs that we think they hold and really they don't hold because we haven't really spent time with them or or we haven't shown grace to be able to to have that relationship or or the mercy or the love. It's much easier to complain than to look at the good in people. How many times are we like this servant? Instead of, of this, we, we, you know, we like to be like this, not instead. We're like, God, you're so good. You're so gracious. And then we go out and we're like, oh. And we look down or, or we tear down instead of building up. We're all guilty. Now, my point's not to make us feel bad in all this, but for us to recognize this. And as we recognize this, that we don't stay in that place. It's the greatness about God is he wants us to recognize certain things, our shortcomings. He allows us to look in the mirror. Many times we don't want to look in the mirror, but, but he puts it there in front of us. And if we will look, he will show it. He will show the deficiency. He will show the shortcoming. But he will also empower us to be transformed by the renewing of, of, of our minds, by the renewing of our hearts through the Holy Spirit. What would it look like if we spoke life all the time. Now, it would take a conscious effort. What would it look like if, if we begin to say, I'm not going to grumble and complain. I'm fasting, grumbling and complaining. I'm fasting the judgment of others in order to speak life and to, and to find good in them. You know, November traditionally is a month of gratitude because we have Thanksgiving coming up. And in the, in the history of Thanksgiving, is the, there's the idea that the Native Americans helped the, the pilgrims as they were coming here to get established because they didn't have anything to get through the rough winter and then to show them how to harvest food in a new land and, and, and that they were coming to celebrate their friendship, to have gratitude, that they couldn't have made it without their help. What about us? 
What would it look like if we began to show gratitude in greater ways? Proverbs 16, 24 says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the taste and health to the body. Proverbs 17, 22, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. James 3 says, So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is set by, on fire by hell. Every sea creature, reptile, bird, or animal is tamed and has been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We praise our Lord and Father with it and we curse men who are made in God's likeness with it. Verse 9, we don't like. Many times we skip over it. But we bless God. We praise Him, but then we turn and we curse, speaking out of both sides of our mouth in, in, in essence. Praising and cursing come from the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brother, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. I mean, the word speaks here. I really don't have to say a lot. My challenge to us as a body of Christ, is, is to take a three-week fast, I guess you could say, a three-week challenge. And hopefully it would extend much beyond this. Because I know we have Thanksgiving in 10 days, but between now and really the beginning of December, begin to look at how you can show grace and mercy and gratitude to those around you. Those in your own household, those in your neighborhood, those you work with, those you teach, even those within your own church. What would it look for us to begin to look for the good in the situation and the good in the person? You know, God looks at us and he loves us. He does, and when we make a mistake, he doesn't say, you stupid idiot. When you get it right, you can come to me. You can come to me. I will praise you. And not that God praises us, but, but he does lavish his, his love upon us. I will lavish that upon you when you get it right. So don't even think about, he doesn't do that. He welcomes us into his arms and he loves us and he corrects us in that. But we don't always follow an example. I want us to begin to do that. Because I think, I think we already have some very grateful people, if not everyone here is very grateful, but we can take it to another place. We still can grumble and complain very easily. Look for the good in the situation and the person. Speaking life over others, especially those you're having a hard time loving. And that's really the catcher. You know, it's easy to speak life, to speak a compliment. Man, that's, that's an awesome painting. You're so talented. You're so creative. Does this say that? But what about someone I, I, I don't like? Someone that, that maybe I'm offended with? Someone that sometimes, and I'm not picking on Nathan necessarily, but you think about the complexity of a relationship in the family sometimes. How, how we offend each other so easily in the family. And, and, and instead of speaking life or, or speaking um, graciousness and showing mercy and gratitude, we just fire the first thing that comes off, which is not always life-giving. Pray for people and bless them. Write them a letter. Let them know how grateful you are for them, that you saw good in, in action. I sat down with one of my kids who's not in this room. I'll tell you, it was Ella. 
Carrie and I were gone um, to a chaplain's retreat. I was on a chaplain's retreat this week, about 15 chaplains um, across the Army, Navy, and Air Force. Um, and so we were, we were gone for a few days. My mom and dad came into town to watch the kids. And, and you know, Ella is a typical middle child. You know, unfortunately, she carries that, that burden in a lot of ways. She's also the oldest daughter, which adds some stuff to it. She's a boss. I mean, if she is a boss, and, and, and you know, I mean, we, we say this um, not to speak death over her in a lot of ways, but, but it's a reality of her personality. There's, there's some control tendencies, and, and, and this is not to, to put her down in any way. It's, it's a reality that's there, and that's the way you could let it. Well, she's bossy pants. I think that's what, what my mom, what Nana was calling her at one point. Isn't that right, Nathan? I know she's probably going to listen to this at some point, so uh, <laughs> calling her out on this. Bossy pants. And, and, and we had to detox our, our kids, or at least the girls from grandparents. The boys were fine, but we had to detox them the first day or two. And I just felt like I was on her, like all day Friday. And I didn't get home to 4 o'clock, but I felt like I was on her the whole time. And, and finally, I just set her down and I said, look, you have a great strength. It's called leadership. But with leadership comes the negative side, and that you can come across bossy or this, this, and this. And it's our responsibility to help train you and, and pull that out, mine that out, so you can be a great leader. And, and so it's showing grace to someone. It's showing mercy. It's speaking life within that. Because sometimes it, it drives me crazy because I feel like I'm, I'm having to, to, and I don't mean to say that in a negative way, I, I feel like I'm always having to stay on her, to train her. But it's like, she's a leader. She is a leader. And there's times that, that she leads that's like amazing. Wow, what a leader. And every one of us, every person we interact with has a strength or multiple strengths and probably multiple weaknesses. Are we willing to, to mine some of those strengths out and to recognize those and to show a grace and mercy to that person, but also make it known to them? Let's have hearts of gratitude. I would encourage you and your families maybe to take some time. And, and, and if you're single, you, you can do this with your roommate or you, you can do it with someone at work. Take some time over dinner or, or over, over a fellowship lunch or something and say, what's something good that I can say about that person? Maybe go around the table. Habits start by being intentional. Let's begin to be intentional. Ephesians 5, chapter 2 says, Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to us. Walk in love as Christ has loved us. We have that example. The grace that he's shown us, the mercy, the love. We walk in that same love. It's a sacrifice, but it's an offering to say, Hey, I'm going to compliment you. Versus tearing you down. This is what Jesus would do. We know that. So I encourage us to do that. So Lord, help us to walk in love as you have loved us. Lord, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you for you pouring out your life for us, forgiving us of our great sin debt. And Lord, I pray in the same way, our relationship with others will be filled with grace, will be filled with mercy be filled with love. Lord, it's not easy to do this. It's much easier to say. It's much easier to hear than actually put it into practice. But Lord, help us. 
fill us, Holy Spirit, from the bottom of our feet to the top of our head to have gratitude overflowing from us. To see the good. To see the positive. Not to fake it. Not to, not to, not to embellish anything. But Lord, to speak the truth of the positive qualities that a person has. Lord, let gratitude flow out of our mouths. And let others stop and say, why are you so gracious? Why are you so appreciative? And let it be pointed back to you because of the debt that you have given, the great, mighty debt that you have forgiven of us. I extend this to others. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We bless the food now that we're about to partake of. May it nourish our bodies. Bless all the hands that prepared it and picked it up and received it. Bless the hands that are going to pick it up and eat it as well, Lord. We love you. We thank you. Continue to have your hand upon this church and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good. I appreciate everyone. Thank you for what what you are and who you are. We'll turn it over to Michael. Good morning, everyone.